0: Welcome to another American Bankruptcy Institute podcast. I'm Sam Giordano, ABI Executive Director. Symphony orchestras have been part of the American cultural landscape since 1842 when the New York Philharmonic was established. These venerable institutions have been woven into the fabric of cities large and small across the country, often struggling to survive during wartime, down economies, and as musical tastes have changed. But today, the music has stopped at a score of orchestras. The recent big filing by the Philadelphia Orchestra, one of America's five great symphonies, brings many of the economic issues into focus, declining ticket revenues, decreased donations, high labor and pension costs, and an inability to access donor-restricted endowment funds. A potentially nasty labor management fight will play out in the bankruptcy court. Meanwhile, the beat continues for smaller city symphonies with high operating debts. On May 10th, the Syracuse Symphony closed its doors and filed for Chapter 7, before what would have been the start of its 50th anniversary season. Also that week, the 79-year-old New Mexico Symphony ceased operations to be replaced by a new Philharmonic, freed from many prior contract obligations. Last December, the Louisville Orchestra filed for bankruptcy during its 75th year of operation, within days of the Honolulu Symphony, 110 years old, converting its Chapter 11 to a liquidation. Other cities have shared this experience. San Antonio, Sacramento, Norfolk, San Jose, Savannah, and more. In April, the musicians of the Detroit Symphony returned to the stage after a six-month strike, but not before accepting a 25% reduction in pay and other benefits, in a city devastated by the bad economy, more trouble ahead is likely. One major orchestra that has survived a bankruptcy and is indeed thriving today is the San Diego Symphony. With me to discuss this case and the problems facing symphonies today is Jeff Garfinkel. He's a partner in the Orange County office of Balkhalter-Nemer, where he heads the insolvency and bank and finance practice groups. He has a national bankruptcy and appellate practice involved in several notable cases, including his representation of the San Diego Symphony case in the mid-1990s. Jeff has a law degree from Emory and did his undergraduate work at the University of Florida. Welcome, Jeff, to ABI Podcast. Thank you, Sam. As someone who helped lead a successful outcome for a symphony in bankruptcy, What are your thoughts when you hear this roll call of major orchestras filing for bankruptcy? Why are there so many of these cases uh, today?
1: The fact that we're seeing a recent spike in the number of symphony insolvency proceedings doesn't surprise me. Because of the limited resources of many of the governmental agencies and governmental bodies, that were sponsoring these civic organizations, and in an era of limited governmental resources, they are not devoting them to the arts and entertainment aspects of their local communities. As a result, these institutions, which as you've described, have a very long lifespan, are are unable to adjust both from an operational cost structure as well as uh, their go-forward legacy costs with respect to their their labor costs, mostly.
0: So let's talk a little bit about the um, uh, the San Diego uh, case in particular and maybe its uh, application to the uh, cases that are going on today. Why do you think the uh, San Diego case succeeded?
1: Well... One has to look at how it began and some unique aspects of that case. The, we were fortunate in San Diego to have the symphony orchestra be both a, a standalone entity as well as a number of the musicians supporting a ballet institution, the San Diego Ballet, So the musicians were basically double-booked. So, To use a a musical uh, term, they were Mm double-booked. And so we had a, a very stable platform of musicians who were serving the community in a broader sense. When the symphony filed bankruptcy, it was in the height of the last financial crisis. And San Diego, like many of the cities today, just could not support... And put its community dollars into the orchestra, and because of that, the, the, the symphony was running historic deficits at operational level, and simply didn't have the endowment. It was fortunate that it had its own symphony hall, which was built as a built below a very large twenty-story office building. And as a result, the terms of the mortgage against the Symphony Hall provided that if the Symphony was able to stay in business for a period of five years, the then lender, which was, as I recall, Bank of America, would forgive the mortgage. And so it became critical that if we were going to keep that Symphony Hall in the hands of the community that we get the symphony, which had originally filed Chapter 7, into a Chapter 11 and then get performances restarted for the duration of the forbearance agreement so that the community could regain title to which Symphony Hall, free and clear of the mortgage. And as a result, we were able to present a proposal to various Community leaders, both elected officials as well as the largest philanthropic donors in the community, to explain our vision. And I was greatly assisted by the musicians who had a wealth of historic knowledge that could not be replicated. When you look at these institutions that have been around for, in some instances, 100 years, 75 years, The continuity exists at the musician level. They have been through economic crises, both locally and regionally, as well as micro level for their own institutions. And they bring a wealth of knowledge and experience, which is difficult to replicate. And because of my ability, uh, not my ability, but because of our ability to rely upon their knowledge base, we were able to basically sell our vision to the entire San Diego community.
0: Did you have uh, uh, labor and pension issues to to work through as well?
1: One of the precipitating factors of the San Diego filing was very similar to the, what the situation is faced with the Detroit, is the symphony was in very difficult labor negotiations with the union, um, and ultimately the board, for lack of a better word threw up tent and said okay we're just going to put this into chapter 7 we're going to liquidate it and i think some in the community believed uh, akin to what is you've seen in other communities that we can just create something new and get rid of all of our old legacy costs and break the union in 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 many respects and we were able to overcome that by converting the case into a chapter 11 appointing a responsible officer, and devising and then confirming a plan of reorganization, which put the symphony back into a ability to restart performances and go out to the community as a whole and attract philanthropic donations from institutions, corporations, and and wealthy individuals. Because ultimately, those philanthropic donations... Uh, are are the lifeblood of any symphony because they're not going to survive on ticket sales alone.
0: Right. So attracting those uh, major new donors is certainly uh, one one way out. And um, uh, uh, but but in terms of the, the the causes on on the way in, are we talking about primarily um, costs on the labor and pension side, or is it? more a matter of declining revenues and donations in a down economy?
1: I think it's, it's a combination of both. That was our experience in San Diego. And, and a drying up of both, and also the public community funds, because a lot of the the day-to-day operating expenses were paid through grants from either the county or city levels to different arts institutions. And, and you know, as the Pool of funds decreases. You know they, they cut back proportionally. They don't just cut out one or so to speak. They they, they try to be as equitable as possible, which results in all the institutions suffering.
0: How do you think the uh, Philadelphia story might play out with regard to the major financial asset there, which is a a large uh, endowment um, of restricted donations from uh, financial donors. Uh, I understand this obviously comes up in other cases too, where you're trying to grow the uh, the asset pool for uh, use by the uh, by the estate. But how, what are, what are the uh, what are the ways that that uh, plays out in court as as a way to um, get access to the uh, to the endowment funds, which would otherwise be restricted assets.
1: What I, can't, I, I do not have the knowledge of how the Philadelphia Endowment Fund is structured. I, I do know that in the San Diego case, there were two types of endowment funds. There were those that were held in the name of the symphony uh, in its own restricted account. And then there was a segment, second pool of funds held in a community trust fund account. Many local communities have established these type of community trust fund accounts for their public institutions to attract donors. And there are restrictions contained in both the granting of funds and the operation of those entities, those restricted community entities that are holding the funds for this very purpose so that the funds aren't available to be used in a bankruptcy case. As to the funds that are held directly by the symphonies in their own name, in their own bank accounts, I think that the case law is unsettled as to whether a restricted grant uh, is enforceable in bankruptcy. We took the position in the bankruptcy case in, in San Diego that they are Enforceable because the debtor only gets its property rights as determined by state law, and we were able to point to various California statutes which recognized the validity and enforceability of restricted grants of funds. And I suspect that other bankruptcy courts faced with these issues, in both the symphony context and another public institution context, they're looking at restricted donations, be they hospitals or educational institutions will then focus back to what the state law provides and what the debtor's state law interest is in those funds.
0: So a matter of a bankruptcy courts looking to state law uh, to uh, help resolve the issue of, uh, of whether the estate assets can be um, used for uh, purposes in the restructuring.
1: That's right, because a debtor could only have whatever interest it has under state law under the Supreme Court's Butner decision. And so once you go down that legal path, uh, as courts have done on this issue, then you've got to look to what the state law rights are and the ultimate uh, grant, grant language of whoever the donor was. The donor says, I'm going to give a million dollars to endow five musicians. Then mm-hmm. can the bankruptcy court disregard that and say, no, I can use those funds for some other purpose." Uh, in California, they could not.
0: Mm-hmm. And the uh, the flexibility of the state law then uh, could be very influential in uh, the resolution of the case. I would imagine, in the sense that it, it gives the court power to um, allow those funds uh, to be used in a way that would aid in the um, in the bankruptcy restructuring.
1: That that, that is correct, and. The one thing that the dynamic that, that is at play for not-profit institutions such as symphonies is in, in many instances when you're dealing with for-profit entities that go into bankruptcy, there is somewhat of a zero-sum game that takes place both in and outside the bankruptcy court, such that the creditors are fighting over a very limited pool of funds. In a nonprofit situation, when it goes into bankruptcy, be it a symphony or some other enterprise or entity, it's, the court is looking at it differently because they're not trying to figure out what the right answer is for equity, but rather for the community as a whole. We found that dynamic in our case in San Diego, and it was quite helpful in building a a consensus of how to resolve the case. Because ultimately, when we all agreed that we'd like to keep a symphony in San Diego, because it helped both the symphony, the ballet, and the community as a whole, then we were all working toward the same goal. That becomes critical. Because it, to reorganize successfully a symphony, it takes the entire community, as well as the bankruptcy court.
0: When a uh, symphony suddenly ceases operations, as uh, several of the cases um, have uh, that I uh, earlier uh, alluded to, um, do you have the same kind of uh, collateral damage uh, and, and related issues as in other conventional bankruptcies, like, um, for example, a Warnack claim when uh, people suddenly are um, are out of a uh, are out of a job, uh, or maybe access to cash collateral. Um, you know those issues that are sort of typical bankruptcy issues. Do they do they also come up in these uh, symphony cases in the same, to the same extent?
1: Well, let me go to your first part of your question. the First, being the WARN claim, every I mean, there there is both the federal statute WARN statute, and in some cases uh, in, in some states state warrant statutes, and the federal statute has a faltering business exception as well as a sudden change in financial circumstances exception. We have not seen, at least I've not seen any reported decisions yet coming out with respect to symphony bankruptcy cases and warrant claims, but of course they could be asserted, and the provision under 503 which would grant those claims administrative priority in the bankruptcy case. When we did the San Diego case, we did not face the prospect of administrative liability for employee wage claims that predated the bankruptcy case and the shutdown of the mm-hmm. San Diego Symphony. Uh, those, those dynamics are a little bit different now. I was fortunate enough to be representing the musicians on a, on a pro bono basis and so we were able to uh, to build a, a consensus to w- walk away from a number of these people's individual claims in order to achieve the long-term success of the symphony. Because one of the items that we really faced was a great reluctance on donors putting in new dollars to pay old debts. Right. And... And because of that, and and not only donors, but it was the community as a whole, and because of that, the musicians who uh, wanted to keep performing and wanted jobs going forward were willing to walk away from historic debts, And that greatly enhanced the success of the symphony in San Diego. As to your question about cash collateral issues, that of course is on a symphony by symphony basis to determine whether the there is a asset based lender who has taken a security interest in both the physical assets of the symphony be they the music equipment the music library which i discovered in, when I was doing the San Diego Symphony, it has actually an incredible value. The right. scores, the scores that are marked up uh, with all the musicians' notes, actually have a great value mm-hmm. to other symphonies. Uh, right. And one of the one of the most interesting dynamics of the case was when there was a Chapter Seven trustee before the case got converted in San Diego. There was an auction to be had on the music library, which mm-hmm. would have. Greatly damaged the symphony had that San Diego Symphony okay. had that foreclosure uh, or the sale of the, the 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 music library gone through. Ultimately, we were able to overcome that and get another San Diego community and organization to step up and buy the music library and preserve it for our community in San Diego. But there, of course, will be there may be I should say not will be but there if the extent there is a lender that has a security interest in all the assets, cash collateral issues, inadequate protection issues that will arise. But I will say this, in those instances, usually the lender is a large financial institution who also wants to see the community have this resource. And in our instance in San Diego, Bank of America was a tremendous asset and team player in accomplishing the reorganization. They were not; they did not take an aggressive position, and accommodated every request we made to accomplish what was ultimately a very successful reorganization.
0: You obviously had a lot of uh, cooperation from uh, the community and and uh, uh, others uh, in San Diego, which. Uh was probably instrumental in that uh, successful reorganization. Do you think it's it's possible to uh, restructure one of these cases without that kind of uh, community support?
1: It would be extraordinarily difficult uh, because of all of the resources that have to go in to not only getting it out of bankruptcy, but ensuring its long-term success. Uh, because donors... And the community need to know that the symphony going forward is on a solid financial footing or they will not dedicate their resources to that institution.
0: Makes sense. So that means the, uh, the future for all these cases is uh, very much a case-by-case basis um, uh, with regard to the ability of the uh, local community and donors and... Uh, people with the financial means, essentially to step up um, and, and uh, become new donors uh, and uh, lenders and the like uh, to forbear perhaps on uh, lease agreements and um, uh, musicians and the like, perhaps uh, making some sacrifices in terms of uh, wages and future benefits, all uh, 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 toward uh, trying to um, uh, keep the enterprise going uh, for the long haul.
1: That is correct, and the one thing that that I think really set off the San Diego Symphony on a bad foot was a belief at the time that the musicians were the only problem, Mm -hmm. that if we didn't have their contract and the cost structure of their contract, we would be a successful institution, and let's file bankruptcy to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. That kind of thinking in my view, was not productive and ultimately needed to be overcome in the San Diego Symphony case. And once it was seen that the musicians were part of the solution and not the, the problem, then we were able to achieve a successful reorganization.
0: Sounds like a formula for the other symphonies as well. Hopefully, uh, it uh, it can work the same uh, way that. Uh Uh, You enjoyed uh, success in uh, San Diego back in the mid-90s. Jeff, we thank you very much for your time today and insights uh, on uh, Symphony Bankruptcy, Um, and we uh, thank uh, all of our uh, listeners for listening. Uh, You can access the full library of over 90 podcasts for listening or downloading. Uh, at our homepage, which is www.ebi.org. Until next time, then, this is EBI Executive Director Sam Giordano saying good day.